on maynard.com.au. AU! Just before we get into the bunga bunga here, a message from Maynard International Studios. First of all, as you know, this show is not suitable for children or people who get easily upset or go, I'd like to thank more than a dozen people now that have become Patreons of this podcast. Really appreciate that. And thank you for your monthly payments. It's very much appreciated. That address is patreon.com slash Maynard. Go there and a little micropayment once a month would be great. I'd really appreciate it. And I'd like to thank our first sponsor, DNC Lifestyle. That's dnclifestyle.com, or one word. Just go there and see how you could find your cat hovering in a UFO in your lounge room. I like the idea of that, and it's on the front page. Thank you to DNC Lifestyle for helping sponsor. Bunga Bunga. It's Bunga Bunga. With Tim Ferguson and me, Maynard. Episode 15, the big foomph after the hoo-hoo. The umpire strikes. What a time we've had. It's been a while since we've been together, Tim, and it's great to be bunga-bungering with you once again. Oh, yes, I like to be bungered as often as I possibly can. And episode 15, that's a lot of bungering. I know, and it's a special episode too because this first half will be here coming to you live on SD card from the Fru-Fru Cafe in Glebe, but later on we'll be taking you backstage, on stage, and front stage with the Doug Anthony All-Stars when they did their gig at the Newcastle Civic Theatre a few weeks ago. The Doug Anthony All-Stars, with whom I'm emotionally connected, they tore Newcastle apart, as if that's what Newcastle needed again. I'll be uh, making some apologies about our behaviour. And I tried to shoot a bit of a video to put on uh, the YouTube channel about you, but, man, those staff were just furious on that. They They were furious. There were people running everywhere, stopping people from photographing all night. Most of the people in the theatre were actually staff who were there to stop the two or three people who'd bought a ticket. I even had a bit of a chat with the St John's ambulance people that were there. There were three of them, and they looked a bit disappointed. I said, look, it's not like one of their earlier gigs. There will be no overdoses tonight. No uh, paper cuts, none of that stuff. Although I think a few venereal diseases were exchanged afterwards, but the ambos can't help that. And it was the first chance I had to actually see the Doug Anthony All-Stars show since you've been back on the road again, and I was really impressed. Oh, by the way, this show is not for children. It's not safe for work, all that sort of thing. There's bad, there's adult concepts like box skirter bridges and stuff like that. Uh, Siege of Stalingrad, stuff that adults talk about. This show is not suitable for children. That's right, Bunga Bunga is for grown-ups only. So if you are under the age of whatever, stop now. We'll be discussing the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk later on, all that sort of stuff that you just don't want your kids to hear. But backstage, after you've done your sound check, there's this eerie silence that descends for about an hour. Yes, it's the eerie silence of boredom that settles. Most performers would use that time to gather their thoughts, to practice their behaviours. Well, 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 Paul Livingston does. He's very professional. Uh, He's doing his thing. He's doing some warm-ups. He's doing stuff in the mirror. I saw him doing that. You're lying down somewhere and Paul's wandering the theatre talking to who God knows who on his mobile. Yeah, yeah, usually McDermott gets on the telephone and calls some country... Hello, darling. But Paul Livingston preparing for Flacco, yes, it is quite an intense character, so I suppose he does need an hour just to collect his thought. And the word that I kept using that you'll hear later on in the show, we're going to finish the second half of the show with it, the Doug Anthony show 
has subtlety, and it's not a word you think of when you think of the Doug Anthony All-Star straight away. Not at all. I don't think of subtlety even on stage. That's not what I'm thinking. But it is a very subtly built show. There are lots of strands in it, lots of themes in it. And we work very hard to combine all of those. Only afterwards, I think, if people look back, they can see, oh, man, the first half of that show is a setup for the nasty treks that happen in the second half. And people said, oh, did you run your microphone? Did you record the show? And I said, of course not. I wasn't there to do a live recording, and that's not the way you do a live recording anyway. Having a microphone in the audience sounds terrible. To which people replied, oh, have you heard live in Edinburgh? Oh, yeah. That was actually our own bootleg. We recorded that and called it bootleg, so everybody thought, oh, wow, this is a bootleg, without noticing that it had the Das Kapital copyright on the back. You can't help some people. Let's actually get that question answered. Are you planning to film or do an audio recording of this show at all at the moment? Yeah, we're going to, at some stage, film it, because... It should be captured for posterity and for police records. Mm. I had an awkward interview with Paul. I think I asked all the wrong questions in the wrong way, Tim. I I think I I didn't do too well. And, man, did you have a lot of people signing stuff, uh, getting stuff signed for you afterwards? Yeah, they just said, coming and coming and coming. I, I don't know what their names were, but they like us writing on things, including body parts. There are some body parts I've signed in my life. One was a guy's stump. That was a very interesting moment. They're always saying, please sign my breasts, but that's usually when they're pointing at their girlfriend. Coming up in this episode of Bunga Bunga 15, Tim comes clean and apologises for his behaviour. I hate you! I hate you more! Should cats unionise? We visit backstage with the Doug Anthony All-Stars and their audience. At any point, any three of these guys could go down. And a touch of Shirley Bassey. A touch, just a touch, maybe a stroke of her cheek. But first of all, I'm off to Morrissey tonight. By the time you hear this, I will have been bathed in the Morrissey goodness. And I think considering what I've said about Morrissey throughout my career, I really hope he blows me away tonight. Well, I just want to say to Maury, if you don't like it, Morrissey, go home. I believe you want a rebuttal to a review that was written of Morrissey recently in the Australian newspaper, The Age, was it? Yes, the Australian newspaper gave it a real tick in the way that you do when you're completely desperate for approval from a sodden English dweeb. Someone suggested that I should take a meat pie along and eat it, but I think that would be far too provocative. Yeah, Morrissey would just walk off stage. That's what he does. If he doesn't like something, he just walks off the stage and that's the end of the show. Good Lord. Um, I certainly hope at least one of his shows at the Opera House is cancelled simply because, A, you don't have to sit and endure it. B, you know, at least he will maintain his credibility of being a guy who doesn't do what he promises. We'd also at this stage like to thank our sponsor, DNC Lifestyles. That stands for dog and cat. Tim, I believe uh, you've had a dog or a cat. At, well, you've got Kittler over there at the moment. How's Kittler going? Oh, Kittler, as usual, is stalking up and down his front paws behind his back, having a great big stormy think. But tell me about DNC. What's well, the deal? Well, look, I've seen some of their stuff. They have the great little cat trees that cats can play with, which is kind of fun. But the one I like, and the one that most people would never have seen in action and may possibly want at home, it depends on what their cat's like, is it's like a chest of drawers and you put the kitty litter in there and the cat hops in a little hole, does its poop privately, and then comes out a different hole on the other side. So if you don't know what it is, I've been at someone's house and they've had one of these and you hear this scratching coming from what looks like a set of drawers and then... 
the cat comes out looking very relieved on the other side with no smell. Wow, that sounds great. So it's like a cat poop wash. Yeah, it's a big poop house for the cat to be in so you don't get the smells and the cat gets the privacy. I mean, is Kittler big on privacy when, when it's pooping? Very big on privacy because he needs privacy to summon his thoughts so he can write. Um, at the moment, he's just staring at the blank page. He could really do with that. That sounds cool. Also stops the uh, kitty litter going everywhere as well because a little bit of extra cleaning up when you have an open kitty litter tray in the house, don't you? Oh, every time. Kittler likes the kitty litter to be everywhere, evenly distributed, as opposed to kept in a nice tidy box, which is specially built for it. And of course, you'll be, you'll be trying to get a good night's sleep and you'll roll over onto kitty litter and that really kills the romance. Is that what it is? <laughs> oh, I thought it was something good. So we'd like to thank DNC Lifestyles. And of course, if you go to the DNC Lifestyles website and put in the code PUSSY, which we got from Are You Being Served, uh, you'll get a discount. If you get a discount, just type in the word pussy and you save money. That's a first. I wouldn't try that on any website. I wouldn't go to the ALP website and expect a discount. Certainly, and stay away from the Daily Planet in Melbourne. <laughs> You've actually got a bit of an idea that could win the ALP the next election, Tim. Yeah, they should fold up, close down business and just start again. There are so many ghosts wandering around rattling chains in the Labor Party that go way back. It's time for progressives to uh, start again and not talk to the Greens. Don't even talk to them. They shouldn't be using mobile phones anyway. So do you think same-sex marriage could be the issue that gets the ALP across the line? No. I don't think anybody believes that the Labor Party is at all genuine about same-sex marriage. If they had been, then a perfect time would have been, for example, when they had a female prime minister like Julia Gillard. Julia Gillard could have pushed for gay marriage and said, you know, let's get totally progressive. She didn't. Kevin Rudd didn't. Paul Keating didn't. And Bob Hawke had never even heard about the idea. Do you think Paul Keating was much into it at all? Do you think it was the issue that it should have been when he was around? No, nobody even thought about it. He just... And I'm sure Keating might have just let it go through. Why not? The trouble with... Bill Shorten standing up and saying, oh, now I believe in gay marriage, is that, well, exactly that. Oh, now he believes in gay marriage. Now that 71% of Australians polled have said that they approve of gay marriage or they're OK with it happening. That 28% rump are really just born-again Christians from Mackay and Gympie. So it doesn't feel at all genuine. It feels just highly convenient and I don't think Abbott's going to let it happen anyway. Abbott is not going to release his bats to speak their minds. He won't let a conscience vote go with his party. It would be politically stupid to firstly allow this law to become a law and secondly to bend to the will of the opposition who suddenly woken up one morning and said, you know, actually, I think gay people are really fantastic. Really? Maybe Bill Shorten watched Eurovision. Yes, or maybe he's been reading my tweets, which have been quite blunt and brutal towards him and towards Tony Burke, MP, about their long opposition to gay marriage. Maybe he saw my message that Australia is a country that has gay marriage as illegal, not unlike Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, a whole bunch of stands, North Korea, the countries that normally we like to call our enemies or at least our troubled friends. 
And did you uh, watch Eurovision yourself or were you uh, preparing for some big day? No, I, I was preparing. I'm always preparing. But also, when I heard that Guy Sebastian was going to be representing Australia... Oh, now, we have been pretty mouthy about that. And I have to admit, I think Guy was the most Eurovision-y he could be. But somehow, he was, I feel he wouldn't. He was not as good as maybe Melissa Couts could have been, Gina G would have been, Danny Minogue. All those people are more Eurovision-y. And uh, I think they would have done much better with a wind machine than he did. Oh, and Guy's very professional. And oh, yeah, wow. yeah, he's talented. No, one, yeah, no one's arguing that. Yeah, and what a voice. And ever since he had sex, he's just got this whole other thing oh, yeah. he's bringing to it. But I just worry that Australia came across as being a highly conservative pack of dweebs as opposed to a nation that tism could have really represented. Oh, look, you could just imagine they would have done something. They would have done that Damien Cowell song that he wrote called No One Knows Where Australia Is. That would have been a great track. Basically pretty stupid. That's a really good song and a really good point. Where Where is Australia? A lot of people would have trouble finding Estonia on a map. Maybe that Europeans would have trouble finding Australia on a map. Well, and in fact, really, Australia is Estonia. Have you seen most of us on a Saturday night? That's gold, Tim. <laughs> that kind of wordplay just keeps coming at you here on Bunga Bunga, who now have a sponsor. We're so happy, and the sponsor is Maynard. DNC Lifestyles. Thank you very much. We love dogs and cats, and so do they. And we're going to get onto some of the burning social issues we're going to argue in just a moment. I think we'll go with Tim's historical hypothetical early. But before we get to that, I think Tim should pick something. What's in Maynard's bug out bag? Read it in the way you do, Tim. What's in Maynard's Bagot bag? Choice of three albums here. Look at this. Quite a choice, Tim. It's got to be the Coneheads. You have the Coneheads, A Mighty Wind, which is, of course, a very funny film made by all of those. And the Porkers' first album. Oh, and the Porkers. Mm. But no, I'm going to go with the Coneheads. Well, look, what I would like to play off that, which I think you may agree with me, is uh, Morton Harkett of AHA, the lead singer of AHA, getting back to the whole Eurovision. He did a great version of Can't Keep My Eyes Off of You. Oh, yeah, Can't Keep My Eyes Off of You, considering... The size of the heads of the cone heads, there's no wonder about it. Yeah, hit it. And were you an aha fan? Oh, aha, no. Bunga bunga. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. You'd be like heaven to touch. I wanna hold you so much. At long last, the love has arrived. I thank God I'm alive You're just too good to be true Can't take my eyes off of you Pardon the way that I stand There's nothing else to compare The sight of you leaves me weak There are no
You were singing along doing the high kick at home there, brought to you by DNC's Lifestyles. It's Bunga Bunga 15. Bunga Bunga. Hey. We have been asking you a few questions. One of them is cat related, one of them is Tim related. Also, uh, we will be having a, a little bit of a guest a little bit later, Richard Saunders from the Skeptic Zone podcast. Hello, Richard. I'm skeptical. Richard's going to be coming in because I've been on YouTube and I've actually grabbed a bit from a guy who claims that planets don't exist, but we'll be calling Richard in for that later. Yeah, planets don't exist. It's a great one. You're going to love it. Well, they don't exist. Wow. Tim's on board already with that one. He didn't take much convincing. But we asked you two questions on the Bunga Bunga Facebook page, and I suggest you get along to that Bunga Bunga Facebook page and join the conversation, even though by the time you hear this, it will be over. But that's the important thing. Joining conversations that are over is so much easier, isn't it, Tim? You don't have to say much. And you don't have to raise any topics because everything's been covered. Two questions we asked was, what does Tim Ferguson have to apologise for? And should cats unionise? Let's do the first one, Maynard, but the second one's going to be really hard. (laughs) Adam Remington says Tim should apologise for being so damn good looking. I'm not going to apologise for that. I was cursed with these good looks from birth. People have always subtracted 80% from the uh, credibility of what I say just because I look like a hood ornament. Alla Arendel says that Tim Ferguson should apologise for the tampon tax. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that. I mean, it was me who pushed for the tampon tax just because, you know, I don't want Australia to run out of its cotton. Hugh Arundel says, I would like Tim to apologise for Martha Jones from Doctor Who or and Jar Jar Binks. Mr. Jar Jar Binks. That's a pretty big guilt trip he's laying on you there. <laughs> yeah, well... I'm not touching Martha because I think she does a really, really mediocre job and she should be applauded for that. It's television. As for Jar Jar Binks, I think time will show, a bit like Eyes Wide Shut, that Jar Jar Binks, in fact, was the pinnacle of the Star Wars lexicon. I think Eyes Wide Shut would have been a great film if you just had the opening scene and the closing scene and some couple of piano notes... with Tom wandering around, film done, half hour. Oh, and Nicole just sitting in the singlet whining. That was a great scene. I watch it with the sound down. Look, she really knows how to complain while wearing relaxing underwear. (laughs) Yeah, and she's complaining to Tom Cruise. It's the first time a scene that long has shown someone that pretty just complaining to Tom Cruise about how you don't even talk to me anymore and now I've got to wear this singlet. Do you remember last summer at Cape Cod? Tegan here thinks you should apologise for not replying to her text the other night. 
Yeah, I do sincerely apologise for that because I like to apologise to all of the silly texts that come in from all over the world. Humans Call Me John says you should apologise for not being the Prime Minister. Well, you can't say Tim hasn't given it a go. I have given it a go. And I will give it a go again. I ran it for the last federal election for a seat in the Senate. I got pipped at the post by, well, everybody. But I'm going to run again this time and I'm going to be a single-issue candidate. I'm not sure what the issue is, but it will be to do with apologising. Well, there you go. That was our first question all down there on Bunga Bunga 15, asking the questions that other people really don't care about. They don't care about them, and shame on them. Shame on them. They should apologise. Let's move on to our second one here, a a very uh, progressive one, a very divisive one in the community. Should cats unionise, Tim? It's the thin end of the wedge, Maynard. It's the thin end. But maybe it's a wedge society needs. Cats are treated as second-class citizens when really just getting them to talk to each other for more than five seconds is very difficult. Well, yeah, anyone who's got a number of cats knows that you've got to treat the whole thing very carefully. Yeah, and I'm not a cat guy. My uh, beautiful wife has this cat. Now, you know, I don't mind him hanging around, but I'm not really a cat guy, so I can't speak for cats because... I have no interest in cats. I spoke to your beautiful wife, Stephanie, backstage at the Doug Anthony's gig the other day in Newcastle, and it is very clear that not only is she not aware of all the compliments you give her, that she has never heard not one episode of Bunga Bunga. No, she doesn't listen because she doesn't want to destroy the mystique. Which means she probably thinks it's better than it is. Yeah, and she's very busy and very beautiful. So she doesn't need entertainment. She's her own entertainment. She is indeed very gorgeous. That is her cat, Kittler, across there. And on the topic of should cats unionise, Andrew Scott jumps right in with, are meerkats covered by the cat union a sub-branch or a separate entity? I hadn't really thought that far. The meerkats. I mean, there's a bunch of animals that really do need to form a union. They might not be great organisers, but they'd be really good spotters. I mean, if you were going to have a drag race, someone's checking to see if the police are going to turn up, you want a meerkat there, maybe a large one. A really big one, just because they're very alert. They're very alert, they're very attentive, they look around with their little big eyes. That's what everybody should have. There should be more meerkats. And if they only had the opposable thumb and forefinger, they probably would have invented the ladder. Another reason why meerkats really should get a union is because they are exploited again and again and again in TV shows, in cinematographs, in films, and they never get a cent. They never even get a really good cage in the zoo. They just sort of get thrown a few beans and away they go. Roshan Davy says unionising cats, they already think they rule the world. If you unionise them, they'll take over. So she's concerned. Yeah, well, the cats already think they're in charge. So we might as well make it official. Paddy Mack has a good point here. I'm not sure what rights cats would have to fight for. They've already got more than her rights in the house that she lives in. Yeah, that's true. In fact, like I said, they've, they've already won. They've already conquered. They just haven't done it as a team. Grant McCarran seems to think that cats already think they're too cool for any kind of union with anyone ever. That's more of a dog thing. Well, yeah, although think about it. Cats getting together, they may be cool but they're really hip to violence. And if you really want to make a real union, you get the cats to do it because they're always up for a fight, for picking on innocent mice 
Or, as we have pointed out in many episodes, let's have a listen to that cat snipering. I think this is the shot that the cat sniper took from one and a half kilometres away of a mouse just quietly having a coffee in Balmain. Let's have a listen. Dead on target. Ooh, that's just... It's kind of satisfying to and it, Yeah, it, it's that evil purring at the end after the bullet hits that really makes you feel sorry for the mouse. It does, it does. I mean, poor little guy didn't have a chance. A late runner here, Crystal Edwards, thinks that you should apologise for the mon- monopolisation of all the gorgeousness in the Doug Anthony All-Stars. Oh, what a suck-up, Crystal. Yeah, I mean, really. Look, Paul McDermott gets to be the sexy one. Paul Livingston gets to be the smart one. There's only good looks left, because I can't be sexy and smart and good-looking all at once. That's a wrap-up to your questions, and we'd like to remind you that you are listening to Bunga Bunga 15, the official Dad's Army Movie 2015 podcast. The official 20th anniversary of Showgirls podcast... And, of course, the official podcast for the International Year of the Doug Anthony All-Stars. Yay! And we are also calling for Transformers 6, the movie. We'd like to also give a quick plug to our sister podcast, What Double J Should Sound Like. What Double J Should Sound Like. Tim, you've been a big fan of that, and they've just had their first birthday with the big party at Marrickville. Man, they are so cool, those people. I love that podcast. Really interesting, funny, great music, apart for the um cha um cha Hey, Mr. Da-da-da, put it in the pyjamas. Oh, look, there has to be a bit of dub on the show from time to time, Tim. Dub? Dub? What's dub mean? This show is rocking ahead. Tim hasn't given me too hard a time about going to see Morrissey tonight yet. No, but it's coming, Maynard, it's coming. (laughs) I think it's time we dip into your historical bag, we get into the time stream, put our finger in, go woohoo, wiggle it around a bit there, see what's inside. It's time for Tim's historical hypothetical. This is where we put Tim Ferguson in a place in time and he explains what he would have done if he was in that place. Tim, are you ready? I am ready. And, of course, Tim doesn't know what this is. It comes as a complete surprise to him. He uses his his amazing ad-lib skills here. (laughs) The time in history is the 2nd of July, 1937. The place is Ley Island in the Pacific. Ley Island. Okay, keep going. You take off in your uh, Lockheed Electra 10 with your navigator Fred Noonan and you are attempting to circumnavigate the globe. Suddenly, your Lockheed Electra disappears near Howard Island in the Central Pacific. You are Amelia Earhart. Tim, where the hell did you get to? Well, you know, it's a funny thing. Being Amelia Earhart... You'd think, oh no, where did she get to? To the bottom of the ocean is where she accidentally got to. But why would you do that? Why would you go all the way to the bottom of the ocean? You just go to Midway. Midway, a little island that's midway between here and there, and right in the middle of the Pacific. You can't get further away from anything. But the great thing about Midway is it's got coconuts galore. I believe Amelia Earhart went there just for some me time, just for some just air heart time. She's had a hell of a lot of me time. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, at the end, she's still going. She's still out there. And, of course, she's quite the wild woman. She had a hell of a war as well. It turns out that she's living in mid- Midway. She's midway between this, midway between that. She will be flying out soon. Tim Ferguson's historical hypothetical. Thanks for wrapping that one up, Tim. Oh, yeah. Don't write off the air hearts. You just don't write them off. On Bunga Bunga 15 brought to you by DNC Lifestyles. I think it's time to get into a bit sceptical here, which is why Richard Saunders is here, who's... I don't know, what are you? What's your official title, Richard Saunders, from the Skeptic Zone podcast? Producer of the Skeptic Zone podcast, fellow for the Centre for Inquiry, committee member of the James Randi Educational One Million Dollar Challenge and probably some other things. I've been learning a lot from YouTube videos lately. There's a person, uh, quite a frequent YouTuber, who goes under the name Stars Are Souls. He's got 22,000 people, 22,000 people to watch his video that planets don't exist, that observatories are just a lot of bunk. He thinks that planets like Saturn are just some sort of optical illusion up there. He doesn't think they're as far away as they are. He thinks that they're more the size of a car and they're about a 1,000 miles away. All, all of this NASA stuff is made up because he says you've never actually seen images of these places. They're all just computer-generated stuff. He doubts that the International Space Station is there. He says, well, there's something there going around, but there's no one on it. This is a difficult one because his, his main argument seems to be that no one's actually been there and seen it that can be trusted. Richard, over to you. I think he's onto a good thing here. You know, NASA's website was in decline. The clicks weren't coming through. What are they going to do? Invent a whole lot of planets. Invent a space station. Every now and then they put out a press release. Latest images from Saturn. What happens? Everybody goes to their website. Click, 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 click. They're all gobsmacked. It's some 13-year-old kid in the basement of NASA on his computer with a little bit of Photoshop, a little bit of editing software coming up with these fake planets, Maynard, I think we've tumbled it. His idea seems to be, oh, come on, this stuff can't be real. Let's have a listen to Stars Are Souls as he talks about why planets and observatories, they're all in it together, planets don't exist. Hey, what's up, family? I want to put it out there before they shut down the internet. Do planets exist? Because now, before you go off and, you know, start calling me a lunatic, just hear what I got to say. There's something not right about these planets. Now, I've been, I've seen Saturn with my own two eyes. I've been to an observatory. And when I look through, to be quite honest, Saturn did not look real to me. Okay, I'm not saying it wasn't there. I'm saying that it didn't look real. I personally don't believe planets exist the way they tell us that they exist. Okay, I don't believe planets exist. I believe Saturn is no bigger than the size of a car. It's really small. It's a lot of BS here. A lot of BS. I know you can see Saturn through a telescope, but I don't think it's that big. I think they're, I think the planets that you're looking at are actually little moons. Just like the moon we have up there, they're just moons, but this far, far away. That's all they are. They're probably a little bit bigger than stars, but about the same size. But that's all the planet is, in my opinion. I don't think the planets exist the way they're telling us. He seems pretty convinced about this. It just doesn't seem right to him. A lot of things don't seem right to me either, Maynard. <laughs> and that's why I have a podcast called The Skeptic Zone. Honestly, I, I do like this uh, kid's work. I think he's coming along and uh, Steven Spielberg is uh, knocking on his door, I think. I think you're just being a little bit too dismissive of it, but thank you anyway, Richard Saunders. And your uh, tweet is? 
at Skeptic Zone. Tim, uh, what do you think about this whole thing that planets don't exist and it's just part of some sort of plot? Clearly, planets do not exist. If they did exist, we would have gone to them and investigated. Bunga bunga. Ripping through the show today, I think, because we've got to get to Newcastle and find out what happened there on, when was it, the 10th of May, the 15th of May, 1938? When, when, when were you there? Oh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we rolled into uh, Newcastle and stayed in the longest hotel in the world. You were right on the harbour. There's a corridor in that hotel. When you enter it, it looks like an optical illusion, that there must be mirrors or something at work. But in fact, it just goes for about half a mile. It just goes on and on. Are you getting very excited? Because in September, being the official Showgirls 20th anniversary podcast, it will be 20 years since Showgirls was released this September. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was Showgirls that turned me into a Carl McLaughlin fan. That guy can act. He can act. Twin Peaks, bugger off. All we can say is pool scene. Pool scene. Pool scene. Pool scene. That pool scene. Wow. It takes a good actor to act that badly, that convincingly. You were a big fan of Paul Verhoeven's work in uh, Starship Troopers, his earlier film. Yeah, yeah, I love Starship Troopers. It's very exciting. It's based upon a Robert Heinlein novel, I think. The book was very, very controversial because quite a right-wing book because some of the points in the book seem to be that the only people that should be allowed to vote are veterans, people that have been away to war, and was very pro-capital punishment, public capital punishment. Yeah, it's one of Tony Abbott's favourite books. They're fighting off aliens. They don't ask questions. Anyone who asks questions really is in big trouble. Oh, very big trouble. Or they just get, you know, it doesn't work out very well for the aliens, particularly the brain alien. Of course, you've got to destroy the brain alien, simply because, well, they're the brains of the whole outfit. V for Vendetta. I could see you playing the Stephen Fry role in the movie V for Vendetta, by the way. Well, I do that in everyday life. I don't know if I'd want to be in the sequel. V for Vendetta, I've got to say, I found a bit trite. A little bit obvious? It did, and it just felt like, you know, once again going, meh, 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 and another thing, and Tony Blair touched me in a naughty place. And not only that, but what's going on in sausages? Nobody knows. We should blow it all up and start again. Just get over it, Alan Moore. Wake up to yourself. Any film made overseas that needs an Australian to go and play one of the protagonists is in serious trouble. Before we get visiting the uh, little 20-minute, half-hour special we've got of DAS Live over in and through Newcastle, it's time for Tim Ferguson's Right of Reply. Don't expect too much. Well, actually, while we're on it, I would like to stay on Viva Vendetta. You know those people who are wearing the V for Vendetta masks? Anonymous. Anonymous. They call themselves anonymous, which really should be calling themselves... But they had to actually put a label to it. Look, anonymous people, this is, this is great. And good on you for carrying on like a pack of 14-year-olds in your bedroom who are having a little tantrum about the things you don't like. Good on you for hacking. Good on you for downloading... Good on you for doing all the things that decent people regard as, you know, mildly annoying and naughty. The fact is, if you are going to stand up, if you are going to protest, put your own personal name on it. Otherwise, shut up, because nobody needs to worry about something called anonymous. It's not like you're ISIS walking around in a whole bunch of black masks. You're just a bunch of dweebs 
banding together, hoping that wearing a V for Vendetta mask is somehow threatening anybody. A protester puts their name on it, otherwise they go back inside and do their homework. That's Tim Ferguson's right of reply, letting you know what's what, what for. That said, I think Natalie Portman's just wonderful. Of course, if you want to contact Tim and go, oh, give me a break, people can get you at your website. Yes, you can catch me on uh, cheekymonkeycomedy.com. Cheekymonkeycomedy.com. Send me a message. Tell me how you feel. Twitter is even easier than usual. It's at Real Tim Ferguson. Yeah, at Real Tim Ferguson. And what about you, Maynard? You're... I'm at Maynard Comow. That's Maynard.com.au with all the dot dots taken out. Maynard Comow. Yeah, Maynard completely dotless. Drop me an email at Maynard at Maynard.com.au. Tim, you've been writing people hard today. I've been writing them hard, yeah. I mean, and seriously, Natalie Portman, get in touch. Just call, just pick up that phone. I think we'll finish the show after we've been visited the Doug Anthony All-Stars. I found this remix of uh, Shirley Bassey's Big Spender, the wild Oscar remix. We'll be playing that right at the very end after we've had a bit of a good go with the Doug Anthony's there in Newcastle. Bit of a Shirley Bassey fan, are you? Who doesn't like Shirley Bassey? I mean, she can tell a song. She grabs it and she, she's not singing it. She's telling the story. Even a couple of years ago, she did a version of Pink's Get the Party Started, and that worked for her as well. with the propeller heads, history repeating itself was awesome. And here we go. This is a bit of a musical one here. They also remixed Goldfinger for her remix album. When you remix something as major as that, you would expect, I think they said like, oh, okay, where's the uh, the master multi-track recording and everything? They said, oh, no, here's the CD. So they basically, all they got was the CD of the original version of Goldfinger. That's all they got. They didn't get any of the multi-tracks, so they couldn't separate out the vocals. They couldn't change anything. And it's amazing what they were able to do with it. Here's just a little bit of the Propellerheads remix of Goldfinger by Shirley Bassey. Remember, they just did this with the CD. It's the kiss of death from Mr. Goldfinger. Hey, Tim. Yeah, well done, Propellerheads. Those guys, man. And Shirley Bassey. You see what I mean about telling a song? Mm. She's not there singing a pretty song. She's talking about Goldfinger and she's telling you, you better sit down, you better do what this guy says or he will take all of the gold at Fort Knox. 
Well, speaking of people taking the gold, there's certainly a lot of fillings missing from people's teeth after Doug Anthony's did the Newcastle show at the Civic earlier this month. I'll get you to introduce that, Tim, and then we'll take a musical journey through that evening and disappear out to the side with Shirley Bassey. And before you know it, it'll be Bunga Bunga 16. But this has been Bunga Bunga 15. Bunga Bunga! 15 Bunga Bunga. But now here's Maynard going through the brown, squelching, felching labyrinth of a Doug Anthony All-Stars recent concert in the beautiful town of Newcastle. Well, welcome to a very special episode of Bunga Bunga 15 on tour. Bunga Bunga on safari. But before all the animal liberation people get angry with us, we're not going to be shooting animals. We're going to be killing comedy as we are with the Doug Anthony All-Stars backstage, on stage, side stage in Newcastle Civic Theatre. In fact, here's a bit of the sound check right now. It's a very different episode of Bunga Bunga. In fact, I'm sitting next to the only other person currently in the audience at the moment who is... Cameron Mellor. And uh, what is your job in this whole bloody touring lark? Well, it's um, it's interesting you should ask. I was, I was asked to tour manage, but then I got suspicious when I was asked to take out a first aid course dealing especially with uh, geriatrics and people in wheelchairs. I'm here for basic health monitoring. At any point, any three of these guys could go down. Now I'm talking to Graham. Graham, what's your job in the uh, Das Capital machine? Oh, look, I'm not really sure yet. I think by the end of it, I'll know. Uh, I think we could probably mic up some body noises. The more volume we get out of their bodies, one way or another, I think the better. Yeah. I was wondering if you could probably maybe mic up Tim's fan, Tim's special fan that he's got yeah, there. Yeah, you can have a... So I guess you're asking yourself, what is it like backstage as a Doug Anthony's gig while they're sound checking? What's the feeling like? Got to say, relaxed, really relaxed. It's like these guys have done this a million times and they're all one big family and they just put a couple of speakers up, put a couple of microphones on and away they go. I have to say, not having seen them live or heard Paul sing live for more than 20 years, pretty impressive. Okay, he does have the voice of an angel. Okay, he does. But the voice of an angel that has been smoking liquid boron. I've stumbled into a... Now, what's that vague smell I can smell in your... Uh, there's some aroma here, Mr Livingston. What, what is that in your room I can smell? Well, I'm having a shower at the moment. I've, you can hear me having a shower. I thought it was Vicks. It just Vicks vapor rub, I thought it was. No, I'll, I'll dry myself off in a minute, but I'm having a shower. That's my aftershave that you can smell. I don't shave my face, by the way, but it is my aftershave. <laughs> I haven't seen you for 20 or more years, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you guys because I haven't caught up with your show yet. Are you settled into the show fully? Not at all, not at all. The show's not settled, it's chaos. It's absolute chaos. I was tricked. 
honestly, I was tricked into doing this show. There was a uh, reunion at the Melbourne Town Hall where Richard Feidler mm. was also with the group and it was all lovely from thousands of people adoring. So the band decides to get back together. Now, Richard, of course, has got a proper job. <laughs> the rest of us sit around and watch television most of the time. You were given the keys to the book, the book of life, the book of words. How accurate is that book? Has it proved to actually have a few speed bumps in it? Like most of the All-Stars career, everything is a lie, (laughs) including that book, including the chords to the songs. I had to email Richard backwards and forwards trying, and he was trying to remember the chords because no one has written them down. What was the one that was just most batshit crazy out the park that made no sense at all? That was all of them. None of them made sense. But, you know, I've scrabbled something together and the boys seem happy, but I think they'd be happy with with a leprechaun and a ukulele. It doesn't really matter. They only think about themselves. You come from a background of rehearsing, knowing your mark, doing your lines, doing proper theatre. This isn't really proper theatre. Well, these guys just make it up. It's a different show every night. I mean, what's that about? There's no rehearsal. They don't work hard. No. They, you know, you've seen what they're doing right now before a show. Yeah, they're ringing their wives. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, that's not what you do. You do you do warm-ups. You do your... Yeah. You know, yeah. that's what a real actor says. You probably learnt that when you were a drama school. Oh, but of that. When you're out there, Tim has said that anyone can do anything, but they just shouldn't expect the support of anyone else. Is that the case? If you do start a joke, are you on your own? It's every comedian for themselves, and you soon find out if you're a comedian or not in that situation. It's not battle against the audience, it's battle between the people on stage. I generally stand back and let them fight. In Canberra, you actually wandered off for a while and weren't quite sure when to come back on. Often I don't say a word. I just stand there and the face work seems to work. People seem to know what this seething bald man is thinking in the corner. But people have taken to you. I mean, people can't even remember Richard's surname anymore. Uh, Richard who? Yeah, exactly. There you go. Mm. Well, I'll let you get centred here, uh, get the Vicks Vapor up going, and I look forward to seeing you. And thank you for the time. A pleasure. Yeah, you can certainly see the different approaches to performing in the three members of the current lineup of Doug Anthony All-Stars. You've got Tim Ferguson, who's out the back there now, starting in on the rider and making some noise about some artwork. Paul McDermott's doing a one-man tour of the theatre, just wandering around aimlessly uh, amongst the empty seats. And Paul Livingston is applying his makeup very carefully and very methodically and doing warm-up vocal exercises in the mirror. And he's still got half an hour to go. Professional. Here is the person that is the front line of the Dash show tonight. What's your name? Amanda. Amanda, you're on the box office here. How's it been so far? It's just opened. Anybody angry? Anybody got mad? Anyone demanded their money back yet? No, not yet. It's still early. Now, I'm here at the uh, merchandising stand for Doug Anthony's, and I always find it's very interesting that considering Tim is the one that's the least artistic of all of them, he's the only one that's bothered drawing anything. Do you find that odd? Very odd. What's up with the two poles? Are they lazy? What's the story? Have they lost their artistic credence? What's the most popular thing, by the way? I haven't sold anything yet, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> who knows? You might have a very lonely I've got a evening. Here. Oh, okay. Now you've seen the Das merchandise. It's been 20 years since they've had stuff. Obviously, you're disappointed. This is the best they can come up with in 20 years. What are you going to get? I'm thinking the tour shirt. Because of the shock look on Paul Livingston's face? Yes, pretty much. <laughs> I'll let you purchase merchandise. Because that's what Tim buys his food with. You know, you're feeding the hungry. Yeah, I feel bad. <laughs> Maynard here from Bunga Bunga. How are you? Um, obviously, you have to have medical staff. How many people are on uh, standby here tonight in case there's some excitement over Paul McDermott? Oh, just the two of us. That's all you can see at the moment. Not okay. particularly assuring, but nonetheless. What do you go with? Do you actually go with the full defibrillator or just half a bucket of water? Well, we've got one there. 
It's, it's hopefully not just for looks. They have got an older crowd, but I don't think you'll probably need it tonight. It's not like the old days, so I don't think you'll have to worry about any overdoses here or anything like that. You'll be fine. Actually, do you get a bit quietly disappointed if nothing happens and you come to one of these? I know no one wants to treat an emergency, but it must get a bit dull sometimes. The official statement is, of course we don't. We're very happy to see the health of everybody. <laughs> I'm here out in the foyer. There's a few people driveling in. And uh, Sir, what's your role here? I'm the front of house manager. So what sort of trouble would you be expecting from a Doug Anthony crowd? Are they the kind of people that are going to go a bit nuts? Are they going to try and drive their Mini Miner through the foyer? Are they going to try and open their umbrella indoors? What sort of people do you expect? I'm sure they'll be a very conservative audience. Do I have a, a smile on my face? Yes, a touch older now. They are much older and so am I. I was here for them when they came last time. Can you remember what year it was they were here last? Not really, but I would guess it's probably the mid-90s. Mm, yes. I'm not sure. Well, they'll be a bit more reserved this time. I wouldn't hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I think that laugh says it all. Actually, we were talking to the manager a bit earlier there, and the reason why the manager was laughing was that last time the Doug Anthony All-Stars played here more than 20 years ago, they actually got up into the boxes above the audience and threw food down onto the audience from their rider onto the stage, and the audience threw food back at them, and there was food all over the Civic Theatre last time they played here. Whether that's going to happen this time or not, I don't know. There'll be something all over the Civic Theatre by the end of tonight, that's for sure. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome you to this evening's performance. Our auditorium is now open, and we invite you to take your seat. Ah, we're in row E too, which I think is uh, no coincidence from Tim. I think he's uh, there's something in that. Pity there's no row MDA. Look, I've just got a microphone. I'm going to annoy some people here. Who have I got uh, sitting in front of me? I'm, I'm in row E. You're in row MDA. What's your name? I'm Sue. Uh, Colin. When did you last see the Doug Anthony's? On TV at some stage. I was just talking to the uh, the manager, and last time they were here in the 90s, they got up in those boxes there and threw food down onto the audience, and the audience threw food back up to them, and apparently they trashed the place. As you would expect. And now all they've got is really a fan on stage for Tim, really. It's not quite the same. But what has it drawn you back to these guys 20 years later? The comedy, the wit that they come with. I haven't seen them live. We're all getting older. It's time to do that sort of thing. That's a bit of the theme of the show, that we're all getting older. Can't stop it. Tim actually asked me to, to do this for Bunga Bunga 15. <clears throat> How much better looking do you think is Tim Ferguson than the other two? Absolute heaps. That's really not going to help the situation. He's just really, really got the looks. He's, he's really hot. The Theatre in Newcastle now, please welcome the man of the era, It's immediately after the show. And Mr Paul McDermott is here. Paul, man, that was a great show. That was really good. I enjoyed it more than I should have. Oh, thank you very much, man. Yeah. It's really settled in, hasn't it, that show? It, yeah, it was pretty much settled in the first time we did it, I think. There's just a familiarity that we all have together, you know. You're smiling and laughing and, and having jokes with each other, and it's hard to tell if it's the rehearsed bit and what isn't the rehearsed bit. And Livo, all he's got to do is just move his hand or just do an eyebrow, and he's got the laughs. Oh, he's incredible, yeah, and such a wonderful performer to be on stage with and someone we have an extraordinary history with as well so we've been working with him you know from the 80s really he used to tour with us all the time yeah, we yeah. took him overseas for the first time to Edinburgh as our opener he's always been very much a part of our our landscape so it's a real pleasure to have him on stage with us. and there's a whole new wealth of rich material now Tim's got a MS for you to work on stage yes it, it's a godsend for the group was it you or Tim had told me that at one stage Tim did have a routine about MS back in the day? Is it possible that he did have a routine about it before he had MS? He may have told that. I certainly 
didn't. But he he always had a thought in the back of his head that he would there would be something wrong with his brain early on. I mean, this wow, is okay. just between you and I, and I hope no one hmm. else oh. is listening at home. So, what do you really think about the whole tick fucking talk thing that Tim's pushing there? The fact that we're all going to hell in our individual hand baskets. Have you got a delightful some lighter side of that that could brighten us up or perhaps make us feel just a little bit better about dying? I don't know if we're all going to hell. I don't think we'd, we'd go into that religious territory of heaven and hell or like, uh, you know, we're morally bound this way or that by some, you know, fictitious mm-hmm. illusion. Certainly the idea that time is limited is something that only really starts striking you when you get a bit older and you survive some of the traumas and horrors of youth and some of the mad things you do that really... You know, you could have been another statistic. Most of us, the three of us, you know, really could have been statistics at any point. Some of the stupid things we did. Yeah, I think it's a very valid thing to say uh, in the show. And also because the show is about mortality and it's about ageing and it's about a mateship and to, to a degree about uh, death. That is very powerful with the three of you doing the song in the, on the screen and then the three of you, well, the two of you and the other guy. War song? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. War song's yeah, great. Oh, War song's it makes great. me get emotional. On the general side, this is our last stand. teared up a bit there and you know and it wasn't just because of the suit I was wearing either I was just kind of tearing up I know you've got people to talk to out there at the merchandising desk and what's up next what, what's next what's next guys for the group or yeah, me as yeah, an individual because yeah, yeah. I've got some really good stuff happening well, in my you, life well, you, well you've got some SBS stuff coming up can we well, talk about that or not well, yeah we can talk about it if you want I don't know what's happened to that it seems to be oh. in some holding pattern at the moment we won't say anything more, or more no, about it's it it's a good but, show but, but, but I'll say if, if there's anyone that could host that show it's you you've got to go out and do stuff Paul so no, yeah with the group we'll just keep going until we all drop off the tweak. I mean, I think that's the that's the thought now. It's it's a joy being um, around those two men, and you know we're just making each other laugh. I hope this comes out the right way. But there was times on stage where I saw in you a touch of Dave Allen. The touch of Dave Allen—that's a great compliment. I love Dave Allen. In, in the way that you were annoyed with the people around you. One of the new things about giving up smoking is that I now have my sense of smell back. I can actually get up in the morning and open a window, throw it up, and, and breathe it, and smell again. Petrol. <laughs> Monoxide, dog shit. There was that frustration that Dave Allen had sometimes in his work. Yeah, possibly. I mean, like uh, like all men of my age, I suspect I was devoted to Dave Allen on a on a Friday night on the ABC. You know? Just before the trots had come on. Yeah, just before the trots. <laughs> oh, the good old trots. Love the trots. Talk to you later, Paul. Okay, Thank man, you. Thank you very much. Well, how did you find the show? It was hilarious. It was hilarious. In what way was it different from what you thought it would be? They actually have mallowed a little bit, though. Well, they weren't throwing food at everyone like they or were last time. Or anything yeah. like that, mm-hmm. getting up but, on tables. Well, I was halfway through complimenting Paul on the fact that they had great subtlety. Oh, here come the guys now. And, yeah, they have subtlety, but they're still yelling cock at people as yes, well. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm uh, Maynard here for Bunga Bunga. How did you enjoy your Doug Anthony show tonight? It was awful. It was awful, hey? You hated it? No. You're going to go down there and give them a few pointers? <laughs> Not at all. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was the best show I've seen in a long, long time. Probably best show ever that I've seen that maybe could have been improved by um, maybe a different guitarist. I think Richard's too well paid at the ABC to leave them at the moment. <laughs> yes, I think so. From with the guitarist they had, he just didn't know how to use his buttons. Look, I think Paul Livingston was great because of the subtlety he could do. He could just do a wink or move his arm, and yeah. that would be funny yeah, enough. Absolutely, a little move of the hand or a slight nod of the head, and it brings the show to life. I've got a, a younger member of the audience here. How old are you? 
I'm 21. So you weren't really around when they were doing their thing originally, were you? No, I wasn't. As someone who's coming to them, knowing them as a historical artefact, what did you make of them first time around? I've seen Paul McDermott before uh, on television um, plenty of times before. I thought it was a really good show. They presented themselves quite well. Sometimes through the show, um, trying to catch on as a young audience member is a little bit difficult for me. Mm. But yes, it was uh, entertaining. They're kind of unique in that they have that lovely subtlety and they can say something really fucking offensive and then they just sing a really sweet song and everything's forgiven. I absolutely agree with that comment. May not hear for Bunga Bunga. What have you just got from your merchandising table there? I just grabbed a a DVD and a piece of art from Tim. Are you a long-time fan? Yes, since about 14. So what's it like seeing them 20 years later? I love it. I saw them in Wollongong about 18 years ago, so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm reliving it, loving it. What do you think Paul Livingston's like in there as the guitarist? Brilliant. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I was surprised. Really surprised. Impressed. Oh, what was your favourite part of the show? Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Uh, from Go to Woe. I love it. Yeah, the whole Tim's Triangle. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> I'm impressed too. So that's two Bunga Bunga listeners we've found. You've got fault with my Facebook page <laughs> and the fact that when I take Tim to a shopping centre, I tend to leave him lying around. Yeah, well, there is a m- mislay. As a listener of Bunga Bunga, would you be a cat fan? Did you see my shoes? <gasps> oh, I can now. You're wearing cat shoes. I'm wearing cat shoes. Yes, I am a big fan of cats. Dog fans? No. No, oh, I think cat fans are a particular sort of, have a particular sense of humour. Dogs are loyal, but cats have that weird, intriguing thing going on. They do. They have the sense of really, don't fuck with me. And they would make great snipers because they would work well alone if they had to. <laughs> Absolutely. With no regret. two black cats. They're both complete ninjas. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. So you'll be asleep and then suddenly there'll be one sitting on your head? Or sitting on your head or sitting on your um, chest or sitting under your toes. Yeah, they're all over the place. Any requests for Bunga Bunga? Is there anything you've heard that you'd like to hear more of or something we could do that you think, hey, I'd like to know a bit about that? I'd probably like to hear a little bit of the older Maynard, um, maybe oh. a little bit from the Castanet Club days. How about I hit you with Aquarius, our particular uh, club arrangement of Aquarius, sounds, the age of Aquarius. That sounds brilliant, exactly. With the beautiful voice of Lance Norton. <laughs> it couldn't be better. <laughs> and, my tr- and my trombone's there, but try not to hear that. What's your name again? Ali. Liberation Aquarius 
We'll be there in a minute. We... I've got bunga people to talk to. Yes, I'm talking to a big fan here. What's your name? Mel. When was the last time you saw them? Last year in Queensland. And how's the show even changed since last year? Extra song by Tim. Tim's Triangle is getting a lot of critical acclaim. It's definitely there, isn't it? <laughs> Paul Livingston just moves his hand or an eyebrow occasionally mm. and that's his gag. Totally. I just love the way he started the show just by walking on doing nothing. When you think about it, that isn't all that easy to do. No, nothing is quite funny when, when uh, done correctly. What do you think of Tim's theory about the whole TikTok thing, seeing them is all about mortality? Yeah, I think I've got a little bit more than 20 years on there. Just a few. <laughs> what is your dream? Paul said, hang on to your dream. What is your dream? I haven't figured that one out yet. And because it's Newcastle, you can't go like 30 seconds without meeting someone. Of course, I've completely... This man helped me move... Did you help me move my porn collection? <laughs> It was more to do with your wine, I think, was important, and it didn't have much left. My wine collection, that would be a... I think it would have been a bottle of TR7 that was probably three weeks old and opened, yeah. What do you reckon of the Dugs tonight? They were lovely. Really great to see them. Good fun. Even that guitarist guy was pretty good. <laughs> when did you see them last? Oh, look, many years ago, but only on video and TV. I've never actually seen them live, so it was lovely to see them live and get back together. What do you reckon of the whole... Tim theory about tick fucking talk. 100% true. I mean, get in and do whatever you can before it's too late. He never realised he'd be in the situation he's in now. They're all the same age and Paul's the same age, aren't they? They're around the same age and he's quite healthy, but you never know when your time's going to be changed. So what's your dream? Travel and, and make a good lot of money and get around and have a good time. Enjoy yourself while you can. You've got to give it to Tim. He's had a hell of a day and he's still powering on. <laughs> He was wonderful. I love him. I think on some of his drugs he's getting. <laughs> it's certainly said a few times he was on a bit of a high. Welcome to Bunga Bunga. And what did you think of the Dugs tonight? They were awesome, as always. Unfortunately, they'd broken up before I first got into them back in the day. So I'm very glad to see them live on stage. So is this the first time you've ever seen them live? Yes, I've seen Gud. What is the experience like for someone who has no memory of them being their earlier incarnation? Loved it. Absolutely loved every second of it. Do you think there was enough Rolf Harris references in there? <laughs> Do you think that they kind of pulled back on the Rolf Harris material, really? It was a bit guarded. Maybe they could have thrown in a few more. But <laughs> so the Doug Anthony's, it's the end of the show now, sir. You're the manager here. You're happy they've left no mess anywhere? Very, very happy indeed. We'd yeah. have them back with pleasure. You haven't seen uh, Paul McDermott's dressing room, have you? Not just yet. Okay, well, I'll be going then. See you later. <laughs> Bye. See you later, guys. See you later, Tim. See you all. Very good to see you. We'll talk soon. And so was the show like tonight, Mr. Mellor? Oh, brilliant. Like, uh, you've seen all their shows. You're frankly sick to guts of the I whole show a, thing, really. I have had a gutful. But tonight, Newcastle was awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Really? Yep. That's, that's one for the books. Yeah, the boys were reasonably good, but the crowd were fantastic. <laughs> that's what I say. Bunga, bunga.
you walk in the joint. I could see you were a man of distinction, a real big spender. Maynard.com.au AU And the, the chief of the tribe says, okay, you only have a couple of choices. You can have death or you can have bunga bunga. And the guy says, well, what's bunga bunga? He says, well, bunga bunga is we all, the whole tribe, fuck you up the arse. Oh, my God. And the guy says, oh, no. And the other one is, yes, the other option is death. He says, oh, OK, I'll go for bunga bunga. And the chief says, death. 
by Bunga Bunga. Oh. 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 Da, 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 da. <laughs>